Welcome to the Behind the Drapes podcast. I'm your host, Kenny. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to Dr. Andy Maslow, who's one of the cardiothoracic anesthesiologists in our department. Prior to his medical training, Dr. Maslow was in the U.S. Army and eventually became a U.S. captain in the Army. He served from the years 1989 to 1997. He did his anesthesiology residency up in Boston, Massachusetts at Beth Israel and then stayed on to do his cardiothoracic and echocardiography fellowship. As a resident who works with Dr. Maslow, he moves at about 100 miles per hour, but when you're working with him, you know that you're going to learn tons and tons of information that day. He's the type of attending who's going to call you the night before and have anywhere between a 30 to 60 minute conversation about the patient, which then veers off to some topic like the right ventricle or mitral regurgitation, all while he's walking his dog outside. Most of the time, I find myself Googling answers just to answer his questions and make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. Working with him is a privilege and an honor. He's someone who's well respected in the community of anesthesiology, especially in cardiothoracic anesthesia. He's someone who's a wealth of information and who multiple people will come to when they're in a pinch to ask for advice and who usually has the right answer or at least helps you get there. So without further ado, let's see what's going on behind the drapes with Dr. Maslow. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. I just had a little pasta dinner with my wife, cooked her some dinner after I got home today. Oh, very nice. What do you put on your pasta? Uh, so I make my own meatballs, first of all. Uh, yeah. So I do like ground beef with some chopped up onions, some chopped up basil, then a little cumin, salt, pepper, paprika, and then all the typical Italian spices. Uh, and then I, my sauce is out of a jar, so nothing special there. I tell you, ragu is delicious or prego. <laughs> I went to Trader Joe's today and got some Trader Joe's brand. Uh, got it. <laughs> How are you doing today? I saw you weren't on the schedule today. What have you been up to? What are you not on the schedule? I, I covered room two. Oh, I must have missed that. How was room two today? Uh, it was nice and quiet. Ortho trauma? Ortho trauma. That's exactly what it was. Nice. Uh, um, good. Second patient came down tachycardic and and uh, and kind of soft pressure, but uh, but uh, you know fixed her up and then dumped her. I uh, gave it to somebody else. <laughs> what do you think was going on? Volume issue? <clears throat> yeah. So you know, you know my one of my biggest peeves is we put a lot of central lines in and nobody monitors the CVP, right? Uh -huh. Put a central line in because the surgeons kept saying, "Well." well Hopefully this, hopefully that. If she's stable, if she's stable, I said, well, I don't know what, what what you guys are trying to trying to do, but what, what's this? If you're stable, part goes, well, you never know. And I said, all right, you know what? I just put a central line in, and the CVP was zero. <clears throat> so, uh, so that was actually comforting because I would know that fluid would be going through. But for the long bone trauma that she had, if the CVP was fifteen or twenty, um, that probably wouldn't be such a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we put a lot of central lines in and nobody monitors the CVP. So I put one in, monitored it and then, uh, and then headed out. <clears throat> we need I people like you. Me. We need people like you keeping it vogue so that we keep doing it. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's um, that means people have to stick around and actually uh, look at it. <laughs> sure. Uh, and interpret it. And interpret it. That's right. <clears throat> what are you doing? What are you doing today? Uh, I was at the Merriam doing three spine cases. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, pretty straightforward cases, but each with their own challenge. Yeah, they're, everything's straightforward until it's not. Exactly. You know, the worst, com worst complications happen over an ambulatory, right? That's right. Low yeah. resource and low expectation for bad things to happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anyways, all right. So this so is supposed to be it's supposed to be about you, not about me, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's always better to be about somebody else. Um, so let's start with how you even got involved in anesthesiology. Uh, you know, that's that I, I, um, 
I love families. I love people. And I found during internship that um, I sat too many times at the at the bedside of uh, you know patients dying with their families, and and I think in the long run emotionally it probably would have wrecked me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the short short interactions with the patients and their families is is just fine. Mm-hmm. What about uh, you? Why do you want anesthesia? <laughs> I already <laughs> told you this isn't about me. <laughs> uh, quick quick aside question: What were the two sports you played? Was it soccer and lacrosse? Uh, no, no. So I, uh, soccer and track. Okay. I was supposed to play tennis. Uh-huh. Uh, all that said, I uh, moved up to Longmeadow, Massachusetts, uh, my fresh, freshman year, and they were a huge lacrosse program. And so by the end of my freshman year, I was running track, uh, ready to play soccer, but I already owned two lacrosse sticks. So anyways, I, I could play lacrosse. It's, it's a great, it's a fun sport. Nice. Yeah. Your son plays lacrosse. That's why I assumed that was one of your sports. Well, the older son plays lacrosse. Both of them played soccer. Uh-huh. Nobody ran track. Uh-huh. <laughs> A little too too uh, talent too athletic, I guess, for that. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> Um, so I'm going to jump ahead a little bit since you kind of touched on this in terms of talking to patients and talking to families, but when you're in cardiac surgery, I've been involved in situations where you, where patients are literally having life or death type of situations and types of surgeries and patients come in terrified to that situation. Um, and you're somebody who really puts them at ease and makes them feel comfortable in a scenario that's meant to be uncomfortable. Can you talk through kind of how you develop those skills and what your go-to techniques are in terms of calming nerves for an operating room? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, have, have you ever sat by the bedside of a dying patient? Yeah. And from, from start to finish until they're actually dead? Can't say from start to finish, but I've certainly been part of the process. Yeah. Um, so when I was a, what was I, a medical student, I was at uh, University of Maryland and sat by the bed with the uh, with the patient, talk, you know, interact with the family, and then you know, watch it, and and it it all becomes, um, I I don't know if you can say something is more human than human, but it comes incredibly human and incredibly humbling, and when you look at the eyes of the patient and they're talking to you, and what they're telling you isn't, you know, isn't all that comforting uh, overall, and they're they're quite scared. Um, and so you, you sort of, I, I'm not even sure how, how one would metamorphose themselves uh, to do it, but you get to that point where you can talk to patients and, um, and kind of calm them down. And this, this was sort of a bizarre situation. It, was, it felt so surreal. I'm calming him down while he was well, dying. Uh, so when the patients come in, you know, it's, it's pretty clear. They want to know that uh, they've got a, a somewhat uh, competent person who's caring, wants to be there. Um, and they love to hear the word safety and keep you safe and, and protect you. And, and, uh, and at no time would I ever tell them, uh, and that, uh, oh, nothing's going to happen. Uh, that would be, you know, absolutely foolish. Uh, but when I tell them stuff can happen, I I try to do it in such a way as, you know, we, we know these things, these things can happen and and we're going to do the best we can um, you know, to, to prevent them from happening. I don't know if I've ever told somebody that we're going to absolutely prevent everything from happening. Uh, but I think when they hear that, that we're going to do the best we can and we're going to keep them safe and, you know, there's sort of something comforting about it. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and then, you know, some patients like you to be a little crazy. Uh, and you know, I'll tell you the, the more they're smiling, the more times you can stick needles in them. 
I can think uh, of I can think of two specific scenarios that were maybe maybe uh, comical or just comforting for patients, but it involves singing and it involves Jewish prayers. <laughs> I think both both scenarios you probably don't remember because you've been through thousands of these, but I feel like both scenarios were very comforting for both patients that were involved. Yeah, well, well, the singing most people would prefer me not to, I think. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, I think, like I said, I think people, people want to feel like they've got a a teammate uh, on their side when they're going into this uh, this battle or this game or whatever you want to call it, and uh, so it's it's just uh, easier. And then, you know, when I talk to them, though, um, part of it, um, believe it or not, is is one to calm them down and to and to sort of embrace their uh, embrace them and, and have them cooperate with you. But the uh, the other part uh, kind of calms me down. Uh, and so, you know, once you sort of get that rolling a little bit, then, um, because, you know, we, we don't, we don't get every procedure perfectly right. Um, and, you know, if I, I do, I do remember when I was uh, a bit younger, if I missed a procedure or so, and then the patient starts looking at you, you know, everything starts to get very warm <laughs> and, uh, there's a little sweat and I try not to sweat. Uh, at all. And so there, you know, it's calming for the patient, but it's also gets calming for the practitioner too. Um, and you feel like you're, you're on a team at that point, as opposed to, you know, patient, uh, physician relationship. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, I guess it's something you develop over some time. Seems like it. That, that was a great answer. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like we didn't just peek in our interview and try and get more great answers out of you, but that was a great answer to describe that scenario. <laughs>